In West Hollywood over the weekend, a supposedly family-friendly pride parade involved a mostly naked dude being whipped by another leather-clad dude. And the platform on which these weirdos acted out their sadomasochistic performance was not merely the back of a pickup truck rolling down a boulevard in Hollywood. No, the platform from which these guys are doing it is the Democratic Party platform in 2024. In Arizona, Democrats partnered up with a drag queen at another public pride party to rally voters for the state's upcoming elections. I have to ask, I'm obligated to ask, how many of you are actually registered to vote? Are you registered? And no shame if you're not. No shame and you're not, because it's not too late to register for the next election. And turn the tide of all of the hate, the anti-gay nonsense in the state house, the anti-gay nonsense in the Senate, the anti-gay nonsense in Florida, in the United States. It's insane. It's insane. Over 500 laws have been um, introduced across the country. Today, today, the anti-drag bill in Tennessee was voted unconstitutional by an appeals court. So that's pretty incredible. Got to go vote. Back in California, elected Democrats honored the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a drag troupe that exists exclusively to insult Christianity, for their supposed courage. The burly supposed sisters posed for a photograph with Scott Weiner, a California state senator best known for successfully lobbying the government to reduce punishments for convicted pederasts, grown men who molest underage boys. But it is not just random state senators across the country over in Washington, D.C. Longtime Democrat House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will throw out the first pitch at the Nationals' pride-themed night out. We are not even halfway through 2023. I promise you, you can expect to see a lot more pride participation from Democrats as 2024 approaches. And the reason for that is that pride is their religion. Pride is the official religion of the Democrat Party, replete with rites, rituals, moral framework, anthropology, theology, liturgy, and feast days. Pride is the animating spirit of their political movement. It's their religion, and it's gotten them pretty far, which raises an urgent question for conservatives. What's our religion? Is our religion the anti-religion of liberalism? The fake neutrality, the preposterous separation of church and state that the liberals duped us into believing? Or is our religion the religion that built our country, that built our whole civilization? Are we finally ready to say that Christianity built our country, made it great, and offers our only chance to make our country great again? Or will we continue to say and believe in nothing while we all stand around waiting to get run over by an ideological pickup truck loaded up with a bunch of weirdos whipping everyone with leather and chains? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Just a moment, a prominent Democrat congressman will call for a total end to oil and gas, which would cause us all to freeze in the winter, which would cause many people to starve. We'll we'll get to that. First, though, before we move on from our pride update, our daily pride update now in this liturgical season of pride, Transheiser Bush 
is down $27 billion. The question I ask off the top, are the people ready to fight back? Are the people ready to articulate a serious, substantive, moral, call it what it is, religious vision of politics? Are the people ready to fight back? Yes. The people cost Transheiser-Bush $27 billion. That is a shocking, shocking number of losses since April 1st. Bud Light sales have dropped, uh, Bud Light sales revenues have dropped 25.7% for the week ending May 20th, compared to the same week the previous year, according to Bump Williams Consulting. So the numbers, they, they are just staying down there in the gutter. Transheiser Bush thought that the numbers were going to dip, and then there'd be a week or two of controversy, and then they'd go right back up. That hasn't happened. The numbers are down in the doldrums. They've lost $27 billion. The people are ready to fight. Are the political leaders ready to fight? We like to think that our politicians are leading the people and they provide a vision and we all follow. That's not really what happens. Usually what happens is the people lead the politicians or a small group of the people, an organized group of activists and people with a clear vision, they will convince the politicians to go along with them. So are the politicians ready to fight back, not just on the pride issue, but on all of these important cultural issues? Well, one of our presidential candidates, Ron DeSantis certainly sounds that way. I've heard as a Republican talk about this southern border for years and years and years. I will finally be the president to bring this issue to a conclusion. We will shut the border down. We will build a border wall. We will end mass migration into this country. And we will hold the Mexican drug cartels accountable for the carnage they have unleashed on the American people. Love it. Absolutely great stuff. But the question, of course, is where have I heard that before? That sounds kind of familiar to me. It doesn't sound very familiar. That is, I haven't heard a lot of Republicans talk about that in my lifetime, but I have heard one. <laughs> and the one I've heard talk about it happens to be the guy that's running against Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is very clearly staking out his campaign as the Trump campaign, but this time we're really going to do it. And that's it. DeSantis is not drawing a lot of distinctions between him and Trump, ideologically, instinctually, tactically. The only distinction that DeSantis is drawing is he's saying, I'll actually get it done. Trump couldn't get it done. I'm going to get it done. We have the same political vision, but Trump wasn't able to accomplish it and I'm going to be more competent at wielding government power. There's an interesting phrase DeSantis used there. DeSantis says we're going to end mass migration into this country. That's the only place in which DeSantis is giving himself a little bit more room to the right than Trump has, because Trump has previously said we need to end illegal immigration, but we want more legal immigration than ever, but they got to do it legally. And I guess that would be an improvement over the open border, but the issue of mass migration is not just about the open border. It's about mass migration. It's about all the people coming in. Since the 1960s, we've, we've seen the largest movement of people ever in recorded history. And that would be the movement of people into the United States. Some of that has been illegal, but a lot of that has been legal. We take in two to now, I guess, three and a half million illegal aliens per year. We take in a million legal immigrants per year. 
million legal immigrants per year, that's going to radically change the face of your country if that's allowed to continue. That's way higher than pretty much any other country on earth ever. So is DeSantis saying that he will reduce legal immigration as well? That's an issue that people should push him on. Because if DeSantis says he'll reduce legal immigration and Trump says he won't reduce legal immigration, that's a big mark in favor of DeSantis. Now, it might just be that DeSantis is using politician-y language and he wants to give himself wiggle room, in which case, okay, then he's just running the same campaign as Trump and just promising that he'll do it better. The problem there, though, is even if you believe that Ron DeSantis could do the job better than Trump with the exact same vision, sometimes you just want McDonald's. If you like McDonald's and then one day Hardee's comes along and says, hey, you like McDonald's? Well, we're going to do everything McDonald's does better. We're going to give you bigger burgers. They're going to be juicier burgers. It's going to be higher quality beef. We're going to put it together in a, in a, I don't know, a more delicious package. The buns are going to be. So come over here to Hardee's because if you like McDonald's, this is just a step up. Most people are still just going to go to McDonald's. Because even if the imitation of the thing you like is technically better, you just like the thing you like. You feel comfortable with that thing. You've got a loyalty to that thing. Starbucks coffee is far from the best coffee in the world. I think Starbucks coffee is pretty good. I don't think it's bad coffee. But there are many better coffees out there. And yet, if you like Starbucks coffee and you see Starbucks coffee next to some fancy boutique shop where all of the baristas have like fancy little twirly mustaches and they do fancy designs in the lattes or whatever, you're still going to pick Starbucks because that's just what you like. And the other one might technically be better in all these different ways, but you just, you, you go with what feels comfortable and what's, what's nice. I fear for Ron DeSantis that if he runs just Trump 2.0, it's not going to work because people don't want an imitation of a thing when the original thing is available, even if the imitation is better in all the kind of rationalistic ways that we can write down on a piece of paper, he's going to have to differentiate himself. This immigration issue could be a place where DeSantis can do it. It's where the conservative movement is, is moving, is away from this idea of legal immigration good, illegal immigration bad. It's clearly moving into a place of, hey, we've just got way too many people coming into the country. No knock on them. It's just way too many. And the vast majority of Americans want to drastically reduce all immigration into the country. So yeah, we're going to reduce legal immigration too. That would be a place to differentiate himself. As of now, though, remains very unclear. I don't know. If, if you're working for the DeSantis campaign right now, and you're looking at some of the poll numbers, you might not be sleeping all that easy. You might, you might, not, you might think there's a good chance, but you might still be up a little bit at night. And when you're up at night, you got to you got to just go out and get a Helix mattress. Right now, go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. With everything going on in the world right now, you could really use a good night's sleep. That is why you need to check out Helix Mattress. Helix has harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers a truly elevated sleep experience. They just launched their new Helix Elite. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. I've had my Helix for years now. I absolutely adore the mattress. Night after night, I sleep like a sweet, sweet baby, and I want the same for you. 
Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? Go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Take their two-minute sleep quiz to find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Their flexible payment plans make it so their great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Speaking of presidential candidates, Senator Tim Scott has gone onto the view. He's gone into the lion's den, the cougar's den, the, I don't know, I don't know what animals they are. He's gone into some sort of den and he's defended his position as a Republican, specifically as a black Republican. And he did it pretty successfully. You have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism? Let me ask, answer the, uh, question that you've answered. Does it ex- or does it even exist yeah. in your mind? Let me, let me uh, answer the question this way. One of the things that I think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. I will tell you that if my life is the exception, uh, I can't imagine. But, but, I can't but it imagine, is. But it's not, actually. Here's, here's, it's been here's 114 my, years. Yeah, so, so the fact of the matter is we've had an African-American president, African-American uh, vice president. We've had two African-Americans to be secretaries of the state. The fact of the matter is that progress in America is palpable. It can be measured in generations. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a, on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America. Tim Scott is really great in this setting. Tim Scott is not great on campaign rally stages. You might remember his campaign announcement. It was not quite at a Howard Dean level of, yeah, but, but it was bordering on that. And then the microphone went out and he handled it as well as he could. But that's not where he shines. There are many candidates who do a lot better on the campaign rally stage. Tim Scott does really, really well here. I've only gotten to meet Senator Scott, I think, a couple of times now. He was on the Verdict podcast with Ted Cruz when I hosted that show. And one-on-one in an intimate setting, he's great. He's really, really persuasive, compelling, seems like a really sincere, genuine guy. And so when everything's a little quieter and toned down here and he can just make his case to the women on The View, that's really compelling stuff. The problem for Tim Scott's presidential campaign is where the conversation went next. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. And for us to so suggest... America has met its promise. No, of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we face 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you, you measured that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African Americans got a high school degree, wow. diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income... When you look at the income, when you look at this, when you look at that, everything's getting better. So, so Tim Scott is making his presidential campaign a progressive presidential campaign. His pitch is that America is always getting better, and so things might not be great now, but they're going to be better in the future. And so stop complaining 
and don't, don't, you know, raise questions that are too, too harsh about America because look at how much better things are today than they used to be. And there are a lot of Republicans who have made this sort of an argument. And in certain cases, I guess it's true. In certain cases, things are better today than they used to be. But in other cases, they're not. That's true for everybody. That's true. He's talking there specifically about black Americans. In certain ways, the lives of black Americans are better today than they used to be. In many ways, though, they're worse. Out-of-wedlock births are way worse right now than they used to be for black Americans. Marriage rates, way lower than they used to be for black Americans. Crime rates, murder rates, way worse than they used to be for black Americans. So things aren't just totally getting better. The country is not in a place right now where, where either side wants to hear, oh, America's doing really, really great. Stop complaining. Just grit your teeth and bear it. Put a smile on your face. And if we wish that the country is in nice shape, maybe it will be. Think about Trump's campaign. Trump's successful campaign in 2016 was the country's in absolute turmoil. We're, we're all living in the gutter. The country is as bad as it's ever been, and we need to make America great again. That's very different from the rosy, kind of right-wing, liberal, progressive, conservative. I know these, it sounds like these words are contradictory, but they're not really. The not radical progressive view, but the kind of conservative progressive view of Tim Scott, who says things are keep getting better, and don't worry, they're, they're going to continue to get better into the future. I don't know that that's going to work. I don't think that's where the country is right now. I certainly don't think that's where the Republican Party is right now. And it only tells half the story. And I think if you're going to make a, a pitch right now where we've got really low approval of, of where the country is, I think you've got to tell that other half of the story, which is, no, a lot of things have gotten worse, and a lot of things have gotten worse because of progressivism. If Tim Scott's going to run a progressive presidential campaign, he's going to end up in the same position that DeSantis is, is likely going to end up in with Donald Trump, which is, why would you vote for the imitation when you can get the original? Why would you vote for the imitation progressive when you can get the tried and true OG progressive Democrat? Why would you go to Pete's Coffee when you can get Starbucks? Why would you go to Carl's Jr. today when you could get McDonald's? Why would you vote for a guy who says, no, progress is happening and progress is good when you can get, when you get the person who really totally believes that with all of its implications? He's got to work that out. He could be a really compelling presidential candidate, especially if he can play to his strengths, like in those more intimate settings, which today with, with uh, the way social media work, you probably could do that. But he's got to, I think he's got to fine tune that message. Then we have another candidate, which is Vice President Mike Pence has formally filed papers to run for president in 2024. He has not announced it yet. An announcement now almost certainly will come because according to the federal government, at least, Mike Pence is a candidate for president. A lot of people are rolling their eyes. A lot of people saying Mike Pence has no shot. A lot of people are asking, why is he doing this? He's not polling very high. The Trump people don't like him anymore. The establishment people don't like him because he worked for Trump. The, the Trump people don't like him because he wouldn't wield his power to try to delay the, the certification of the 2020 election. He's a, he's a man without a country. He's in no man's land right now. Yeah, 
Maybe he is. You got to be in it to win it. No one knows what's going to happen. The libs could indict Trump. Who knows what? I mean, Trump is an elderly candidate. I think he's robust. He'll probably live another 30 years, but one doesn't know at this age. And so I think Pence is, is thinking right now, look, my political career is not looking so bright for the future because of what happened at the end of the Trump administration. So might as well throw my hat in now. What will the effect of a Pence candidacy be? I think the effect of a Pence candidacy will be to help Trump because there's one Trump and then there are the other candidates. And although DeSantis is running in the Trump lane right now, he's getting a lot of support from people who really don't like Donald Trump. Not from all of them, not from all of the Never Trump movement or anything, but from a lot of the establishment who wants a viable alternative to Donald Trump, they're backing Ron DeSantis right now. There are other candidates, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie's going to run. We'll get to that in a second. Mike Pence now. And so I, I think the only people the only person, rather, that, that Pence could be taking votes away from is Ron DeSantis. The people who like Ron DeSantis, but they think he's still a little bit too Trumpy for them. They're a little more establishment. Maybe they're going to give their vote to Pence. Maybe they're going to give their vote to Haley. Maybe they're going to give their vote to Tim Scott. No, no Trump voter is going to say, oh, Pence is in the race. I'm going to vote for Pence. No Trump voter is going to say, oh, Tim Scott's in the race. I'm going to vote for Tim Scott. So the more candidates get in the race, it's funny because there appears to be some bad blood between Pence and Trump right now, but the effect of him getting in the race, I think is just that he helps Trump. Now, when you want to help yourself buy a new car, you got to check out CarZing. Head on over to CarZing.com slash Knowles. Buying a new car can be a stressful experience for anyone, especially if you're a first-time buyer or have no credit. Before you walk into a dealership and spend the entire day with the crowd, stress, and potential to not even find the right car, you need to check out CarZing. CarZing is completely changing the way you buy a car online. By partnering with credit agencies, lenders, and over 25,000 dealers nationwide, CarZing provides you with everything you need before stepping foot into a dealership. Once you find the right car at your ideal budget, all you have to do is bring your saved deal voucher with you to the dealership to finalize your next ride. It is super simple. Even if you're not in the market for a new car, check out CarZing anyway. CarZing's online window shopping experience goes beyond mere images. You can dive deep into each vehicle's specifications, features, and performance capabilities. Zoom in on craftsmanship of the interior, marvel at cutting-edge technology, and admire the meticulous attention to detail that sets these automobiles apart from the rest. CarZing helps make your experience faster, cheaper, less stressful. Go to CarZing.com slash Knowles. Find the best deals near you. CarZing.com slash Knowles. You're so lucky. We're all so lucky to be here today in the presence of the Precision 5 Razor. One handle plus one cartridge kit for just $14.99 from Jeremy's Razors. Jeremy's lowest cost for a razor and only for a limited time. It's crafted with a luxurious tungsten handle, five welded steel blades, and a flip back trimmer for a close smooth shave around hairlines. Hard to reach places. But remember, Precision 5 is no ordinary razor, no, sir. It's a sword in the battle for beliefs. A banner to wave into a new economy. A precision instrument to force woke companies to earn back your dollar and stop denigrating your beliefs. But it is also still a razor and will give you a great shave. I shaved for the Jeremy's razor just this very morning. Stop giving your money to woke corporations that hate your guts. Join over 125,000 men who have ditched their woke razors and switched to Jeremy's. There's never been a better time or price. Go to jeremysrazors.com today. I mentioned I have to, I know you're all going to roll your eyes at me. 
You're going to say, Michael, enough Christy posting, enough talking about the Chrysosans, which some of us who think Christy has something of a shot to have a role in the race, we're calling it the croissants. I know. But I'm just telling you, Christy is apparently set to announce his run. And I'm not saying he's going to be the nominee. Don't, I'm not saying he should be the nominee. I'm just telling you guys, I give you hard truths, okay? I don't pander to you. I call them like I see them. And here's what I'm telling you. There is a non-zero chance that Chris Christie has a moment in this race. And here's why. The reason why is all the reasons that you're rolling your eyes. It's all the reasons that you're screaming and wailing and rending your garments right now. No, I don't want to talk about Chris Christie. That's why. That's why he's got a shot to go from, he's not even showing up in the predicted betting markets right now. That's why he has a shot from going from zero to, I don't know, 5, 10, 20, who knows? Because Chris Christie has the worst qualities of all the candidates, which oddly makes him kind of a good candidate. Chris Christie is a New Jersey governor. He's a Northeastern governor. He's got fairly liberal positions, or at least over the course of his career, he's held fairly liberal positions for a Republican. And so the establishment kind of likes him. Big business kind of likes him. The foreign policy establishment kind of likes him. He just, I think, just kind of goes along to get along. I think in 2012, Henry Kissinger called, asked him to run for president. Okay, you got that. But then he's also brash and obnoxious and rude. He talks like a New Yorker. He talk, all, the, all the stuff people say about Trump, they say, oh, Trump could be so great. If only he weren't so brash and obnoxious and mean and insulting. And all. Well, all of that, if only Trump didn't do this, Christie has that too, which is kind of funny and kind of entertaining and generally speaking, the most entertaining candidates are the ones that make it a little bit further. The, the most charismatic candidate in the general election usually is the one who wins. Chris Christie has both of those things, okay? All of the establishment squishy kind of positions that you'd, you'd want to appease the Chamber of Commerce, but also the obnoxious language that you'd want to, <laughs> to <laughs> infuriate suburban mothers, but, but also to entertain the base. He's not nothing, folks. There are some candidates who are running who are never going to register, and Christie, I don't think, is one of them. But what does it all really matter? Trump is so far up in the polls right now, it is ridiculous. He's up nationally by a lot. Uh, He's up even since the DeSantis announcement. So Rasmussen has Trump leading nearly two to one nationally right now. That's since DeSantis' announcement. So the announcement didn't didn't accomplish what the DeSantis campaign was was hoping, which is that it would give him the big boost and close up those poll numbers. Now, the DeSantis team is going to say, look, just wait until we're on the trail in Iowa and New Hampshire. And maybe that's true. Who knows? He's a talented politician. He's got a very good record as governor. So I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying the announcement did not do what it was supposed to do. The line before the announcement was just wait until he declares. Yeah, the polls are bad now, but just wait until he declares. You're going to see those polls close up. That hasn't happened. The numbers have gone in the other direction. This is true even in Florida. There's a, there's a new survey out of the 2024 GOP presidential primary. Shows a 20-point lead for Trump over DeSantis. That's from Sun's Sunshine State Battleground polling conducted May 31st 
to June 2nd. Trump's got 53% support. DeSantis has 33%. That's in DeSantis' state. Could it turn around? Is it early? Is there a long way to go? Is Trump going to get indicted like 20 more times? Yeah, probably. Just telling you right now, the state of the race, if, if you, all you're doing is focused on Twitter and the insular conservative commentariat, you probably think that this is a really, really close race. You probably think that maybe even DeSantis is leading. But if you just look at the rest of America right now, if you look at the broader numbers, it is not close. Could DeSantis close it up? Could Trump collapse? Abso-freaking-lutely. We're a year and a half out. But right now, people should not fool themselves. The nomination is Donald Trump's unless he loses it. Now, what about some other candidates? You know, there's this candidate running against Joe Biden, not Marianne Williamson, not the dark psychic energy. I'm talking about Robert Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr. had been banned from Instagram, and Facebook, has, Facebook, which owns Instagram, has lifted that ban. Why had he been banned? Well, because RFK Jr. is skeptical of the medical establishment, and he thinks vaccines are often harmful, and he thought COVID was essentially a big hoax. And you previously were not allowed to say that on a lot of social media, including Instagram. Now Instagram says, okay, he's back. He's back. That's fine. YouTube just came out. And, and YouTube announced that they are no longer going to censor people for saying that the 2020 election was obviously rife with fraud. I'm still hedging my bets a little bit, so I don't, I don't want to make a declarative statement. I'm just observing that the new YouTube policy is that <clears throat> the 2020 election was transparently obviously rife with fraud, and we all know it. Maybe I stepped over the line there. I don't know. But YouTube's saying we're not going to take you down for saying that anymore. Okay, great. Why? That's so strange. We're heading into an election year, huh? There are two reasons, I think, why big tech is starting to lighten up on some of the censorship of conservatives. The first one is Twitter. That's the one the rest of big tech didn't count on, which is that Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter and that he was actually going to be able to, for now at least, withstand the forces of censoring conservatives. And he's going to make it basically a free speech platform or at the very least uh, reinstitute normal standards of speech. So don't suppress the conservatives. I don't think they were counting on that. I think they're afraid that Twitter has a real opportunity to gain some market share there. And so Meta and Google and Alphabet, you know, Facebook and, and Google and YouTube are starting to loosen up for that reason. The other reason, though, that's, that was the rosy reason. The, the more, I don't know, doer, cynical, pessimistic reason, I think, is that those issues just don't really matter anymore. Oh, yeah, you can talk about vaccines. You can talk about the lockdowns and all the fake COVID science. Yeah, because we already did it. We already did COVID. We already locked it all down. We already made you inject yourselves with that experimental drug. We are, yeah, okay. We already got you fired from your job. We got you kicked out of your school. Okay, and now, now the evidence is out, and you're going to talk about the evidence about how a lot of what we said wasn't true. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, oops. <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. Okay, yeah, you got us. Right. We're moving on to issues that matter now. The 2020 election. Yeah, that's a, who cares? That's over. We did it. Yeah, we did it. We, we, got, we got whatever strategies we wanted, whatever new voting rules we wanted, even if they were in contravention of state constitutions like in Pennsylvania. Yeah, we did it. 
And then the election happened and then people fought about it. But then Biden's been president now for a couple of years. Yeah, okay, you can talk about how there was a lot of fraud. Fine. Doesn't matter because we're moving on to the next thing. What's the next thing? The next thing is obviously, can I, I don't even know if I can say the word. I don't, on big tech, can I even say the word? You know that, you know that ideology that says that if you're one type of human being, you might secretly be a different type of human being. Like you might, if you're one, if you're like the kind of person who has like a big Adam's apple and a beard, that you might secretly be the kind of person that has like rounder hips and gives birth. You know that idea? I don't even, I don't even want to say it because they're clamping down on it so hard. You know which one I'm talking about? That's the new stuff. Pride, the sexual revolution, the redefinition of family, the redefinition, the, the reordering of education to support this new view of family. All that. That's the new thing. And that's what they're going to censor you for. That's what they already are censoring you for. That's going to be a bigger deal. Conservatives often are fighting the last battle. Okay, well, this is the new battle, and that's why the libs, they're loosening up on the last battle because that one's already won. Now they're moving on to this one. Speaking of conspiracies and conspiracy theories, this is a story I have to get to because of my colleague, because of my friend, Mr. Walsh. Okay, here we go. For This is from The Debrief, which I had never heard of before, but this is the headline in The Debrief. Intelligence officials say... U.S. has retrieved craft of non-human origin. Here we go. Here's our monthly ET story. Here's our monthly leak from the government from an anonymous source that actually ignore what they're doing in your schools and ignore the southern border, like the actual aliens entering our country, and ignore, no, there's a spooky UFO. Ooh, look up there. Look at that butterfly up there. Yeah. Uh, a former intelligence official turned whistleblower, has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. Okay. He goes on and explains why he's convinced this is ET. He says, analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of exotic origin non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. Okay. Nah. No, that's not real. That's just not real. One, I don't really believe anonymous leaks coming out of the government at convenient times, just generally. But put that aside for a second. How do they know this is non-human origin? How do, we, how do you know it wasn't just the Chinese who made it? Furthermore, how do we know that this is not just a fake out to hide our technology that maybe has been observed by hostile powers to pretend that this kind of technology is not really our technology? How do we know that this anonymous top intelligence official, how do we know that this spook, this professional liar, <laughs> is not just pulling a fast one, which it's literally his and their jobs to do. Don't really buy it. Why else do I think the aliens are not real? Because they are, if there is anything that kind of resembles aliens in the world, 
and this is a hard pill to swallow, and they're demons. Okay, they're demons. Aliens almost certainly do not exist. There's zero evidence whatsoever for aliens existing. But the universe is really big. Yeah, that doesn't have any implication whatsoever for the likelihood or unlikelihood of aliens existing. We don't know what the origin of life is as a, as a material cause. We do know the formal cause of, of the origin of life, but that's a conversation for another day. We, 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 well, I, no, it's a conversation for right now, actually, in as much as we do know the spiritual aspect of the origin of life. Okay, we derive our life as a gift from God. In terms of the exact mechanics of how that happened biologically and many, many years ago, we don't know that exactly, which is why we don't know it. We have no reason to believe that it, it could or would crop up anywhere else. But furthermore, because we know that spiritual reality, metaphysical reality exists, we know there's a moral order, we know that there, there are intelligible things in the universe, we're using signs to communicate about things that are not merely material. Right now, that's what we're doing. Because we know that there's good and bad. We know there's love and joy and hope and dreams and all those things. We know that there is such a thing as spirit. We know that we're not just bags of chemicals. There's something immaterial about us as well. Demons and angels are just spirit. They're pure spirit. In the way that an inanimate object doesn't have a soul, right? It's inanimate. It doesn't have anima, just soul. Uh, there are also things that are purely spirit. And we are both. We're rational souls and bodies in a hylomorphic being. And aliens are the fevered fantasies of even people who are generally right about a great many things. Even people such as my four, poor friend, Matt Walsh, who's fallen under the sway of the absolute inanity of the alien phenomenon. You know, you know, folks, are you looking for a better way to organize your business finances? Well, let's say you got to check out Ramp. Right now, go to ramp.com slash Are you looking for a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer for your business. Ramp is a corporate card and expense management software designed to help you save time and money. With Ramp, you can issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 3.5% within the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. Right now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Knowles. That is R-A-M-P dot com slash Knowles, Canada V-L-E-S. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. My favorite comment yesterday is from Sway, who says, Thank you, Michael, for saying big, fat blunts. You have made my day. Oh, I'm pleased that I could make your day. That was in response to the story out of Canada, which said that they are now going to print warning labels on individual cigarettes. And I just wondered, I said, okay, you're, you're worried about the cigarettes harming people's lungs and giving them all sorts of diseases. You want the warning label there. Okay. Well, we know that marijuana and spliffs and blunts and all sorts of combinations of marijuana and other goodies uh, that 
they can be more harmful to people's lungs. They can have more tar than tobacco. So are you going to print the warning label on big fat blunts? Something tells me you will not. Not on blunts, not on spliffs, not on doobies, probably not even on big silly bongs. No, just after tobacco. That's where the liberals are focusing their ire. Okay, I hope that you are stocking up on some oil and gas because it's going to be a real cold winter if uh, Congressman Jamal Bowman gets his way. Congressman Bowman, a very prominent Democrat, uh, as he was whining and wheeling and dealing about the debt ceiling deal, uh, he called for an end to oil and gas. Number one, we need to stop drilling for fossil fuels completely. But number two, we need an expedited way to get us to clean renewable energy or we will continue to have these severe weather events that we have been having for quite some time and because of the warming of the planet. Congressman Bowman, I, I want to be as charitable as I possibly can, he is not the brightest bulb in the pack let's say, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Congressman Bowman once publicly called me a Nazi and said that I, I, I'm going to get his words a little off, but you'll get the point. He said something to the effect of, I only want white Christian men to exist or something, that I want to murder everybody else or something like that because he, he read a headline about my speech at CPAC or saw a clip or read some of the speech. I don't know, which made me wonder if Congressman Bowman is literate either. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't want to venture any guesses, but I knew going into this clip, okay, this guy is not the most conscious person, not the most sophisticated, nuanced thinker out there. And yet he's a prominent congressman. And yet his idea that we need to just stop drilling for oil and gas. There are a lot of Democrats. There are a lot of elected Democrats who would take up that cause. If that were put up for a vote today, they would vote for it because they think it would make them look good to their base. And then people would freeze in the winter. You might think, well, no one would actually do that sort of thing. No one would ever actually kill off their energy industry. What are you talking about? That's what they did in Europe. That's what Germany did. Germany killed off their energy industry and then became very reliant on Russian gas and oil. And then when the war in Ukraine broke out, the United States tried to use that as an opportunity to pry Germany and Europe away from Russian gas and oil and, and back onto American gas and oil. But, but Europe could just produce their own energy. Europe could just produce nuclear power. They wouldn't have to really worry about any of this stuff. But they don't do it. They don't do it. Because bad rulers unwise rulers with poor judgment can gain power, can wield power, and can make your country a lot worse. That happens. If you are led by ignorant people, your society will fail. We focus so much on ideology. We focus so much on, well, is this person a Democrat or a Republican? Is this person a conservative or a liberal? Does this person read these intellectuals or these intellectuals? That we sometimes forget that there is personal aspect here, which is judgment. Does this person have good judgment? Is this person wise? Is this person educated? Has this person ever read a book? Has this person <laughs> ever lived life, experienced things that would give them any kind of learning or not? Personnel is policy. You actually, the people do matter here. 
the liberals want us to believe that people are all just interchangeable automatons and you just kind of plug and play like Legos. But conservatives sometimes believe that too. We don't think that the person necessarily matters that much, but the person does matter. Personnel is policy. If you are led by people who don't know anything, then your country is going to make a lot of mistakes and pretty soon it's going to be February and we're all going to be freezing because some dummy decided to kill off our oil and gas drilling. Now, speaking of good leaders, I think they're going to indict Trump again. I think, I think most people think that they're going to indict Trump again. One MSNBC legal analyst thinks that it's going to happen soon. The last indictment was, let me see if I can remember this. It was because Trump, years and years ago, was accused of groping, no, he was accused of raping a woman in Bergdorf Goodman, really high-end department store in New York. And this was an allegation that was made a long time ago, and it was about an event that allegedly happened decades and decades ago where the details kept changing, and then the woman said it wasn't rape, but now she's saying it is rape, or I don't know. And it, not, the statute of limitations was obviously way run out on this, but then they extended it specifically so they could go after Trump, and okay, they go after Trump, okay. And now this is over the classified documents where Trump, like every president in recent memory, took some documents after he left the White House. Could be used to write a book, could be used for whatever purpose. And he was working with the National Archives to get it back and working with the FBI. And then the Biden DOJ sends their thugs to go essentially kick down the door at Mar-a-Lago and make a big deal about it. Okay. So that's what they say they're going to indict him on. Here's what the MSNBC legal analyst has to say. If you think about what we saw in the Manhattan case, we were looking to see that defense lawyers were given an opportunity to be heard. That's really the thing that you do in a case like this at the final stage. And we saw the defense lawyers going in today to make their final pitch about why there should not be charges. You know, it is conceivable that that could prevail, but I think, meaning that it is theoretically a possibility, but I just think in this case, knowing Jack Smith and his team and the people hearing the appeal, that it's extremely unlikely that they would be hearing something that would lead them to conclude that there should be no charges. So this is sort of the thing you do at the very end. Um, I also think that there is internal pressure even if they're not sort of admitting it to themselves, that they, this is a case that needs to be brought. So that's Andrew Weissman. He tweeted out even pithier. Bottom line is he's getting charged. It'll be in D.C. and this week. And the question is, will others charge him? Will those be in D.C. or Florida or wherever? Isn't it strange that these stories always cropped, seem to crop up? the legal threats against Trump always seem to get hot whenever it looks like he's going to win the nomination. This also helps the Trump campaign because right now Trump's rivals are saying that the media want Trump to be the nominee. What Trump can point to is every time Trump seems to be absolutely crushing it in the polls, there's a new legal maneuver to try to destroy his campaign. So you can say, no, they don't want me to be the nominee, but it doesn't matter because every time they hit me, it makes me stronger. I'm anti-fragile, as Nassim Nicholas Taleb might say. Every, every time they punch me, I, I come back more durable. Now, is he durable enough to withstand indictments in New York, D.C., Florida, Georgia? We're all over the place. That remains to be seen, and it might be seen this week. Okay, the rest of the show continues now into the membrum segmentum. Uh, I find myself very, very lovable. Currently, not everyone does, and so there's a gal who, if I have this right, she 
I said something. This is Inception Tuesday. I said something. And then this gal made a video wanting to disagree with what I was saying because she is a very left-wing, sexually eccentric kind of person, apparently. And she wanted to disagree with what I was saying, but then she kind of agreed with what I was saying. And then, but now she's upset about that. So she's criticizing some other thing. I said, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to find out together. Okay. Head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.